Welcome to Slight Reliability. Learning SRE one day at a time. I'm Stephen Townsend. Welcome back to Slight Reliability. I'm Stephen Townsend and this is the show where we learn SRE one day at a time. This is the third and final part on a series I've been doing on bad observability, which is about anti-patterns and observability, things to hopefully avoid. In the last two episodes, we covered quite a lot. We talked about forgetting the customer, only focusing on technical metrics, dashboards no one ever uses, inconsistency and observability between environments, misunderstanding metrics, installing tools without any cultural change, uh, not understanding the ecosystem that your service fits into, when your observability is accessible and maintained and contributed to by only a few people, hoarding observability data, and finally mandating tooling and process across an organization, taking away autonomy, ownership, and creativity in the world of observability. Uh, last thing before I get started is that I will be speaking about bad observability at OlliFest, which is a conference running from May the 9th to the 12th, and this time I'm like, I'll include a link to the website so you can find it. Okay, so let's get underway. Observability anti-pattern number 10. I've called it the big dumb metric. And this is something pretty common when you install some kind of monitoring or observability tool and you don't configure it at all. And the classic example I can think of is when you have a complex system which provides hundreds of services and you report and look at the response time across the whole system, mixing all the different services together. And some of those services might be just pulling static content. Other services might be running incredibly complex, heavy processing reports. But we just combine them together and say, the median response time is 1.4 seconds. What insight has been gained from reporting that? What have we learned? How has it helped us in any way? Of course, if we're going to look at response time, we really need to break it down into the different customer interactions or services that we're providing. Another example comes from James Pulley. So shout out to James, who mentioned this on LinkedIn. Only looking at CPU usage when you are monitoring infrastructure resources. Now, there are four key categories of resource to monitor. There's CPU, but there's also memory, disk, and network. And you need to consider all four, at least, when you're looking at infrastructure. But even within CPU, there is more than just one overall percentage CPU usage. What about CPU cores? Which ones are used, which ones are not? Or system time versus user time? Or which processes are consuming the most CPU? Or if you're in a container or virtualized environment, then it gets even trickier, the accuracy of what you're reporting. Observability anti-pattern number 11, lazy synthetics. So this is where you have synthetic transactions, which for anyone who doesn't know what they are, it's just having some kind of automated test which runs regularly in production and it checks that everything is still working. It's particularly useful when you have an application or a service which is used a lot at some periods or times of the day, but is not used maybe out of hours or other times of the day. Because if you've got no customers on your system, how do you know if there's a problem? Synthetics cover your base there. But what if you have an application or a service or a bunch of services which 
have quite a high data dependency. So you need to potentially log in and then do some things with some data and manipulate it. How do you build synthetics to do that in a production system? Do you create test accounts for your production system? Are you allowed to do that? What barriers are gonna get in the way of you achieving that? Are there, is there other data that you need to set up to make this work? And a lot of the time the answer is to just not even try. To just have a synthetic which hits the home page. Now the thing about hitting the home page for an application which has complex flows and you need to log in and follow a process to achieve some outcome is that just because the home page is up, it doesn't tell you whether the customers can actually achieve what they need to achieve. That home page probably isn't going to hit downstream dependencies or have significant processing and that isn't going to give you confidence. And the reason that we end up there is that it's hard work. You need to create these assets for your synthetic transactions or maybe reuse some existing automated test assets. It's still some work there. Uh, you might find these barriers in your organization and you're not allowed to create accounts in a production environment or set up data. And then there's the technical debt. Who's going to maintain it? Who's going to keep it running? And yes, that's hard. It is hard. But having a synthetic transaction up which isn't telling you or giving you confidence that your services are up and reliable is defeating the purpose. So there's a, a balance to be had. If you're willing to set up synthetics in the first place, you may as well do them right. Observability anti-pattern number 12, we're getting near the end now, alerts that should not exist. My view is that if you would not wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning to address something, then it shouldn't be alerted on. Otherwise, we end up with all kinds of problems. So you get the boy who cried wolf syndrome. So I'm sure all of you have heard the story of the boy who cried wolf. He was playing a joke on the village and he would say, ah, wolf, 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 but there was no wolf there. And then one day when a real wolf did come along, he said, wolf, wolf, wolf. No one believed him. That happens in our observability tooling too. So I'll tell you from my own experience, we have new relic, relic set up and there are some automated uh, emails that go out uh, and they tell me and I get sent them on a regular basis and they have a whole bunch of very generic information and I just don't look at it. I've never got any insight out of those emails. I don't think they've been configured at all. So they serve no purpose. If there was something important in those emails that I needed to act on, I wouldn't because I wouldn't see them because I delete them straight away. So that's not a perfect example, but it is part of that pattern if you throw out a lot of information which doesn't provide any value or have any insight then all you're going to do is train people not to care train people not to pay attention and that provides a bad outcome okay finally observability anti-pattern number 13 and this is i wasn't sure whether to include this one but i've got some notes so let's talk about it i've called it boiling the ocean or catching undersized fish. Either way, we're going with a, a nautical theme with this one. And the basic message here is that if you have a complex system which provides a lot of services, don't try and pay equal attention to all of your services all the time. It's not going to work. Especially when you're starting out and you want to get some basic observability up and running to iterate on and experiment on, Identify those absolute core most important services. 
the ones that really are important to your business and your customers and start with them. So don't boil the ocean and don't focus on those services which are maybe not so important. Maybe a service which only gets called once an hour or is only used by internal administrators. It isn't actually customer facing. For example, once again, going back to insurance because that's the industry I work in, you have a quote and buy website and you really probably want to focus on the core flow, that core bunch of services which allow customers to get a quote and to buy that policy if they want to. The other corresponding services, let's say at some point along the flow, there is a step where you can optionally add in some other kind of service like glass glass insurance windshield cover or maybe you can offset your carbon footprint by paying some extra money to some other organization or something like that those services aren't as important to your business and to your customers so focus on the happy path the thing which is actually matters the most to your business and to your customers so that's all from this episode of slight reliability next time we're going to do something different I'm going to cover some other parts of SRE from this point onward. In particular, what I've been having challenges with and working working through at the moment, which is around SLOs or service level objectives and the journey that myself and my team have gone on in trying to understand them, to make sense of them and their purpose. To We've been trying to work with other teams throughout our organization to get SLOs defined and set up and the value of them applied and we've been having mixed success there, so I'm pretty keen to share that. Also, around benchmarking reliability. So let's say you have a system or maybe a team and you're working with them, getting that initial benchmark of here is your reliability, here's our starting point. How do you do that? How do you measure, for example, availability? Which specific metric do you use and why? And which level or layer in the solution or the service are you getting that information from and why why did you pick that metric and that point in the solution or those points in the solution there's no silverable answer to these questions but I'm I'm hoping to build up a knowledge base of examples and templates over time to make it easier so looking forward to what comes next on slight reliability thanks once again for tuning in and I will see you next time